episode 796. The offseason program begins in Green Bay, and we're a little over a week from the start of the NFL draft. To discuss the draft, we bring on two guests, Steve Palazzolo of ProFootballFocus.com and Cheesehead TV's own Jersey Al Bracco. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and we're talking today about the NFL Draft. To do that, we have a guest joining us on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We have Steve Palazzolo of ProFootballFocus.com. Steve, how are you doing this morning? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. We have a theme for today's interview. It's a generally held opinion that this is uh, that this year is one of the deepest groups of cornerbacks in the NFL draft. So I want to ask Steve about several prospects. I couldn't ask him about every single one, but I've made a list of seven cornerbacks I'm curious about. Asking Steve to tell us one thing about each cornerback uh, that they do really well, and one thing that's going to give us pause for concern. So, Steve, let's start with Tredavious White of LSU. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, White had an outstanding 2016 season, and it's really what he had was two good seasons, uh, 2016 and 14, sandwiched around a, a rough 2015. So what he does really well and what he showed in 2016, excellent ball skills, He's about 5'11", so he's got the shiftiness and the, the coverage skills to play outside and on the slot. Doesn't necessarily get beat up at the catch point uh, for only a 5'11 corner. But I think that 2015 was concerning. Got beat quite a bit, gave up six touchdowns, uh, no interceptions, only five pass breakups. Really had a rough 2015, but bounced back to have the top PFF coverage grade among all FBS corners in 2016. So I think the concern with White is, Knowing what you're get, getting on a year-to-year basis, but the uh, you know the upside there, showing what he did in 2014 as a sophomore, 2016, uh, you know, excellent, excellent top-end potential for White. Very good. Next on the list is Gary and Conley of Ohio State. What's one thing he does extremely well, and conversely, what what should we be concerned about? I think you just look at him the way he plays man versus zone. I think he's an excellent man corner, six foot plus, moves extremely well, good athlete. Uh, only has one real, uh, you know, two years really of uh, of a sample size at Ohio State. But last year gave up a passer rating of 13.6 into his coverage. And I know that doesn't always take into consideration overthrows and certain things. That's why his coverage grade wasn't the best in the country. But that number, that passer rating was the top number in the country. It does mean something only gave up 14 catches, and he got his hands on 11 passes. So pretty incredible season for Conley. The concern, though, is when he plays off coverage, zone coverage, he's not as clean there. He needs to do a little bit better job of, uh, of wrapping up and tackling. But overall, Conley brings a lot to the table, especially in a man, man-heavy system. Very good. Uh, I think people are getting used to our uh, rhythm by now. Strengths and weaknesses for Cadrera. Uh, I, I think I think that's how you pronounce it. Tankersley of Clemson, who won a national championship this past season. Yeah, Tankersley, another long corner, six foot one, uh, very good in press coverage, and uh, just from a pure production standpoint, statistically gave up a passer rating of forty point seven 
over the last three years, you know, most of, most of that 2015 and 16. So graded extremely well in our system. Uh, so again, in a press man system looks very good, moves pretty well for six foot one, even though we didn't test great at the combine, I think on tape, he moves well. My big concern is at the top of the route, he gets very grabby and I've, I've fallen for other grabby Clemson cornerbacks, Gary Peters, a couple of years ago, uh, guys who seem like they kind of get stuck in the mud at the top of the route and will, will kind of hang on for dear life a little bit too often. That's not going to translate to the NFL. So that'd be my big concern with Tankersley, something he, he needs to clean up. All right. The next cornerback I'm curious about is Akella Witherspoon of Colorado. Tell us about him. Yeah, another long corner, six foot three. And, or six foot two plus, and he absolutely had a great combine. A guy six foot two plus with a six point nine three three cone, and just very good change of direction drills. Uh, so he brings a lot to the table from a size and athleticism standpoint. Led the nation with thirteen pass breakups, so he made a lot of plays on the ball. And I think the question on on Witherspoon, like any six foot three corner, is how is he going to handle those shiftier wide receivers? And then there's just too many times that he just gets beat at the catch point. Again, for a guy that's so physical, potentially so physical, he's pretty good before the catch. A couple times just get caught, get, get, he just lost at the catch point far too often, gave up a really high yards per reception because of a couple big plays that he gave up. But he has a lot of potential as a press man corner to develop. We're talking to Steve Palazzolo of ProFootballFocus.com here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Steve, let's stay in Colorado and talk about Witherspoon's teammate, Chidobi Awuzie. Yeah, this guy, uh, three really good years of grading in our system. I think he's a guy that probably plays zone extremely well. I think that's his best fit, has experience playing in the slot. He's a guy when the ball's in front of him, breaks extremely well on the ball so he can play off coverage. I think the question for him, uh, tackling is a major concern, has had 21 over the last two seasons combined. Um, So for a guy who's very good at closing on the ball, uh, breaking quickly, Seeing the ball, he's got to wrap up, make some, uh, make tackles a little bit better, play the run a little bit better than he had. But I think for a zone-heavy team, Awuzie is a great fit. Next up is Quincy Wilson of Florida, who I've seen some people say is arguably more of a safety, but I want to hear what you have to say. It's funny. I see the evaluations all over the place from for, for Wilson, a guy that some people say is the top corner in the draft. At some point, they've had that. And other people, like you said, maybe saying safety. Uh, he had an excellent 2016 passer rating against of only 29.9. That's one of the top top marks in the nation. But he did get beat a little bit too much. You know, he's six foot one plus, but uh, he'll give up the inside a little bit too much. He's a little inconsistent in press coverage, but uh, does a nice job turning and running, avoiding big plays, uh, gets his hands on the ball pretty well. But I'd say it's it's uh, given up a little bit too much on slants on posts. He just loses balance a little bit too much in coverage for my liking, but in general does a nice job of turning and running a uh, pretty good athlete for his size. And another guy, another guy that uh, teams are going to look, look at as this long corner that they can develop as in a press man type of system. Finally, let's wrap things up with Razul Douglas of West Virginia. Yeah, he had an excellent 2016 as well. He had 10 pass breakups and eight interceptions. And the way West Virginia plays is a lot of off coverage, cover three, cover four, so he's playing really far off receivers. He does an excellent job doing that, though. Reads quarterbacks really well, breaks on the ball extremely well. The big question for him as a six foot two corner, he's inconsistent in press. He only had to do it about 15% of the time. That's well below the NCAA average. Saw him at the Senior Bowl. He seemed like he was feeling his way through 
you know, just how much contact could he get away with at the next level. Got flagged quite a bit during senior bowl practice because he's, uh, he's a little bit more physical than he uh, probably can get away with at the next level. So I think that's the big question. Has the tools to be a press man corner? Has to develop there, though. But in a zone scheme where he's playing off, eyes on the quarterback, I think he's a playmaker, a guy that breaks on the ball extremely well and, and fits well in that system, but certainly a guy that you might want to develop in a man press type of, uh, type of system. Awesome. Very cool theme, I think, for our interview here, Steve. Uh, before we let you go, uh, tell us about the draft pass at ProFootballFocus.com. What will people get with that, and how can they get it? Well, that's what just fueled all of my answers. I got draft pass open <laughs> right now, reading these numbers, reading everything I need to know about these players. It's a lot of fun. It's at ProFootballFocus.com backslash draftpass seventeen. And I have this new promo code I've been allowed to give out, promo code PFFSteve. If you put that in, you get $5 off the entire package. So you get a PDF, you get an online component, and it's stuff that you literally cannot find anywhere else. This type of information and data on the entire draft class, over 1,000 players have stats and information on there, 250-player profile. So everything you need for draft week. Fantastic. I know your Twitter handle is PFF underscore Steve. Is, is, is the underscore in there in the uh, the – promo code it's not just uh lowercase letters pff steve you get five dollars off the draft pass be sure to put that in and uh makes me look good in the process too like i'm uh (laughs) like i'm really spreading the word out here so i know packers fans are going to come through you guys are going to love it yeah awesome so we can offer that to our listeners thanks steve so much for talking to us this morning greatly appreciate it keep up the good work at pro football focus anytime thanks for having me appreciate it thank you take care Steve Palazzolo of ProFootballFocus.com joining us here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. What the hell's going on out here? All right. Packers news. I'll try to tell you, Vince, what's going on out here. Uh, The Green Bay Packers announced on Tuesday that A.J. Hawk will retire as a member of the organization. The linebacker played for nine seasons in Green Bay from 2006 to 2014 and left as the team's leading tackler in franchise history with 1,118 of them. He was also, of course, a member of Super Bowl XLV in 2010, which was probably his best season as a pro. He led the team that year with 134 tackles and also tied for the the league lead among linebackers with three interceptions, earning Pro Bowl honors along the way. And one of the more impressive statistics and things in general about Hawk, while we're kind of, you know, praising him after retiring as a Packer, Hawk played in 142 of 144 possible games while with the Packers. He was almost always available. You never had to worry, would Hawk be out there? And for whatever deficiencies he had, which we're going to gloss over on the day he's retiring, this is more about talking uh, about the good things he brought, Hawk was almost always out there, and as a result, he had a knowledge of the game that surpassed many others. Uh, The plays he did make were often the result of experience, uh, having having seen everything there was to see on a football field. 
you know, we so often lament players who are oft injured like Clay Matthews. You know, I don't think there's a person out there who would argue that the athletic ability of Matthews exceeds that of a player like Hawk. But on the flip side, how often do we complain about Matthews being injured and not even being out on the football field? That was never the case with Hawk. And that was also what made him a good leader on the team, a former playoff captain, and a guy that wore the communication helmet, relaying the defensive play call to the rest of the team. So congratulations to A.J. Hawk for retiring with the Packers, which is pretty much a ceremonial gesture, uh, one several other players with the organization have done as well. Uh, after leaving Green Bay, Hawk went on to play with the Cincinnati Bengals and the Atlanta Falcons briefly, but he'll sign a you know honorary one-day contract to retire with the Packers in the near future. Um, or did did it happen yesterday? That I I read that press release as carefully as I could, and I couldn't find out if yesterday was the day it was doing, or they were just promoting that's going to happen. Probably promoting it's going to happen to to drag this thing out and get as much publicity from it as possible. Um, and that's my glass half empty view on. It. As they tried to drag as much attention on this as possible. But seriously, congratulations to A.J. Hawk for a uh, a long NFL career, one in which he was a Super Bowl champion, um, and congratulations to him for that. In other feel-good news, current Packers wide receiver Randall Cobb got married over the weekend. Uh, something he and other members of the wedding party shared on social media over the weekend, so I feel like I can share it on here. Apparently, quarterback Aaron Rodgers and wide receiver Jordy Nelson were groomsmen in the wedding. Uh, so congratulations goes out to Randall Cobb for that life moment, something just worth mentioning, uh, but not really commenting on too much further than that. But if we're going to talk about what's happening from a football standpoint, the Green Bay Packers began their nine-week off-season program on Tuesday, which begins with strength and conditioning for the first of the two weeks. Several players met with the media yesterday. I'm sure you probably saw you know, in several outlets that cover the Packers, you know, published on Tuesday. Uh, although I'm really not sure we learned a whole lot uh, at the outset of the offseason program. Because A.J. Hawk retired with the Packers, there were a lot of questions, you know, asked to him about, you know, by his former, to his former teammates. Um, but if I have to come away with one takeaway yesterday that I learned, I think the biggest thing I learned uh, on Tuesday was that quarterback Aaron Rodgers said he cut back on his golfing quite a bit in the offseason. Not that he eliminated it entirely. We saw him play in the Pebble Beach program shortly after you know this past season ended. But he, he apparently cut back, and, and Rodgers thinks by cutting golf out of his offseason routine, it's helped him be in as good a shape as ever. Uh, obviously, that's a subjective kind of thing. You know, there's part of me that's skeptical that a 33-year-old Rodgers would be in the best shape of his career. 
but I don't doubt that he's taking his strength and conditioning seriously, and that's a good thing for the Green Bay Packers. So uh, that's the one thing I came away uh, from from the media availability as the Packers, you know, started their offseason program. Uh, typically, that's that's kind of the last time that these players will talk. You know, from the outset of the program. Uh, until OTAs it, it's not like they meet regularly right now with the media but seeing this is like really the first day players are back in town all together all working out for the first time they they you know allow the media come in ask them questions what it's like to be back and things like that um you know like I said not really too much breaking news yesterday you know there's there's nothing on the field to report the guys are just doing strength and conditioning right now. So they're lifting and running and things like that, and that's good. It, it begins the process, but really nothing to report football-wise other than just what some of these players think about being back in town and, and getting things going and things like that. Um, finally here in, in our news segment, I learned of two more players the Packers brought in for official visits before the NFL draft, which is now just over a week away. Um, the Packers reportedly used one of their 30 official visits with Temple quarterback PJ Walker, which is interesting from the standpoint that Walker is one of the shorter maybe the shortest quarterback in this year's draft class at five foot eleven. One thing Walker is, however, is a terrific athlete. Once again, reportedly putting up terrific times in the 40-yard dash and the three-cone drill at his pro day workout, you know, relative to the quarterback position. I wonder perhaps if the Packers are considering him at a position other than quarterback, whether it could be like wide receiver or running back or even defensive back. But we do know that they're likely to add a quarterback to the roster at some point, either in the NFL draft or as an undrafted free agent. I'm personally not a fan of quarterbacks under six feet unless they're elite in some other facet of their game, such as guys like Drew Brees and Russell Wilson. You know, if they're that caliber of quarterback, I can get on board. (laughs) But that wouldn't appear to be the case with Walker. Not that he wasn't good at the college level. I I can admit he was good at Temple. He helped them win consecutive division titles and one conference title in his time there. And that's undeniably impressive, especially coming from a program like Temple that was so bad for so long. Uh, to be really, uh, a, a you know, these past two years, a powerhouse in the American Athletic Conference, that, that was great to just see that come out of that Temple program that, you know, heck, at one time was kicked out of the Big East for being too bad. Um, and, and to see him do good now really, you know, kind of, put their program on a map. I know they're trying to build an on-campus stadium there. They real they got to go play all their home games at the stadium of the Philadelphia Eagles, which is, you know, it's, it's a small college at Temple. They just can't fill that stadium. It looks, you know, every time you watch them play, unless they're playing Notre Dame there, the place is just not even half-filled, and it looks terrible. If they could get a smaller, more intimate on-campus stadium, That'd be really good for a place like Temple, but 
I'm I'm getting off topic here of the Green Bay Packers. That's what happens sometimes when you get me rolling about college football, which I love. Um, but anyway, the the other player the Packers reportedly had in for a workout, again, one of their 30, was former Miami linebacker Jermaine Grace. And what makes Grace interesting is that he was actually kicked off the football team at Miami for allegedly being discounts on luxury rental cars. You know, something you wouldn't bat an eye at knowing the history of Miami football and what's happened there and gifts given to players or benefits or money or whatever. Uh, But what's weird is that the attorney for Grace in the media maintains that his client never received any improper benefits. Uh, Grace actually remained on scholarship at Miami, graduated this past December, and participated in their pro day this, this spring. So, you know, I'm not in a position to judge whether Grace violated these rules or not. It's, you know, uh, certainly not something I've followed closely. Um, but, you know, it wouldn't appear this is a criminal matter, first of all, anyway. Um, so uh, it is what it is. I, I did, don't have the problem with the Packers, you know, looking at a player like this, considering him, uh, digging, certainly digging deeper into him. Uh, I've seen Grace weighs 223 pounds, which is a little on the light side for an inside linebacker. But, you know, we are talking about an undrafted player here. <laughs> you know, we're we're not, pro, you know, more than likely this guy isn't going to get drafted. He's going to be a guy that signs with a team, whether it's the Packers or not, after the draft is over. And maybe it's somebody that can put on a little weight and that, you know, eases your mind a little bit. Um, and just giving him a chance. And, and, you know, once again, trying to find that diamond in the rough as we talk so often about when we're talking about players that the Packers are bringing in for official visits and things like that. So there you go. That's what I've learned in the past several days um, as I've tried to relay as many of these as possible on previous episodes of Railbird Central, and maybe we'll learn a few more before the start of the NFL draft, although we are running out of time because the draft starts in, in just over a week. If it, probably getting to the point where the Packers are, are wrapping up these pre-draft visits. Uh, there's not much time anymore to bring them in before the draft. Um, they probably want some time in the in the days leading up to the draft um, that, uh, you know, they're, 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 to, to just focus on preparation and things like that. So, anyway, next segment. The day ahead. All right. Uh, the Packers off-season program continues on Wednesday, but there's nothing new I can really offer on that front. It's it's the same thing every day for the next two weeks or all two weeks that they meet. You know, they get weekends off and things like that at this time of year. Uh, lots of strength and conditioning as they, they build a base for the rest of the season. Uh, on Wednesday, I know Ted Thompson's pre-draft press conference uh, is being held. I, I haven't even looked up whether it's being streamed online or not. I assume it is. Most of them are. If it is, it'll be at Packers.com. Um, I, I just encourage you to go there and look in their video section, and it'll t- probably tell you exactly what time it'll be taking place. 
So that's one of the things, uh, you know, that'll be making news today. The the pre-draft press conference that the general manager, Ted Thompson, holds on an annual basis in the run-up to the draft, an annual event. Uh, you're not going to hear any secrets from him, but it builds interest up in the NFL draft. So if you want to hear from the horse's mouth, hear what he's got to say on this year's draft class, Wednesday is your opportunity to do so, and you'll hear all about it in the media outlets that cover the Green Bay Packers. But the big thing coming up is the release of the Packers schedule on Thursday. The press release I received says the NFL will release its schedule at 7 o'clock p.m. Central Time on Thursday on the NFL Network on NFL.com and other various league-owned platforms such such as the NFL mobile app. You know, that being said, certain dates on the schedule have a way of being leaked throughout the day if you follow the right people on social media, namely beat writers across the NFL. So if you can't wait until 7 p.m., log on to Twitter, uh, log on to Facebook, Uh, and and perhaps you might learn some of these things a little bit earlier than 7 o'clock p.m., usually in the hours leading up to the release date. Somehow, reporters just talk to sources they know that, you know, the the teams themselves probably know a little bit earlier, you know, the official schedule release and and leak some of those to the media and things like that. So, So get your calendars ready. And those, and then for those of you that are so inclined, be prepared to make your hotel and airline reservations. Um, you know, I, I've seen speculation about two particular, you know, games with the Green Bay Packers. We already know the opponents. You know who the Packers play at home and who they play on the road. You you just don't know exactly when. And, you know, we know the Packers this year, this upcoming season, have to travel to both Atlanta and Dallas this season, two teams that the Packers faced in the playoffs. And, you know, I've seen it speculated, you know, mainly on social media, that the Packers could open the season in Atlanta on Sunday night football, you know, week one of the season. Uh, which would be a rematch of the NFC Championship game, which would be kind of pretty intriguing, especially seeing as the Packers more or less got spanked in that game. See if they've caught up at all to the Atlanta Falcons over the course of an off season. And then I've also seen it speculated that maybe the Packers could be the Thanksgiving opponent of not the Lions, the traditional you know game they, team they play. If if they're playing on Thanksgiving, that's usually who they play. But maybe that the Packers could be the opponent of the Dallas Cowboys this season, a rematch of their divisional round playoff game, and that would be kind of interesting. And again, let me reiterate, this is just speculation. This is just people, uh, not even anybody, not even beat writers, I don't think, either bloggers or just fans on social media uh, saying these kind of things. Uh, it certainly makes sense to me that, you know, these, these would be highly anticipated matchups, but, you know, not always can, you know, the league, you know, I'm sure they try to get highly anticipated matchups on, on national television a lot of times, but can't do it all the time. So 
We'll find out shortly, though, and we'll break it down on the next episode of Railbird Central. And right now, we're going to pause for a second, and uh, we're going to have another guest coming up on Railbird Central. Hopefully, this makes up for, if you follow the show closely, we didn't have an episode on Monday, uh, as we usually do. Uh, thank you for your patience, as I was traveling to visit family over the holiday. And uh, But hopefully, this makes up for it. I'm going to get Jersey Al Bracco, editor of the Cheesehead TV Draft Guide, on the line here. And uh, just hang on with me one second. We'll get him on the line, talk some NFL draft shortly here, and we'll be back. We're back, and joining us right now on the phone is Jersey Al Bracco, Cheesehead TV's own Al Bracco, editor of the Cheesehead TV annual draft guide here in 2017. Al, how you doing? I'm doing great, Brian. How have you been? Very good. Glad to get you on the show to talk some football this morning. Al himself uh, analyzed the offensive tackles in this year's draft class, so that's going to kind of be the the theme for our interview here. And and I kind of got these questions all lined up. And and Al uh, opinions on Alabama's Cam Robinson seem to be all over the board among draft analysts. But as I look through my issue of the Cheesehead TV draft guide, you have him listed as the top tackle in this year's draft class. So I guess my question is, what do you see that others don't in him? Well, I see a guy who started from day one on a team that is perennially loaded with top talent. He started for three years in the best conference in the country, never missed a game, went up against some of the best defensive ends in the country and mostly handled them all. I mean, for example, he held Miles Garrett, who's likely to be the number one pick, to no sacks and just one quarterback hurry that's in their game this last season. Uh, he's a powerful run blocker, but one that is surprisingly mobile for a man you know, his size. Uh, personally, I like to closely study the field drills at the Combine, as crazy as that may sound. But I've had good success with that in the past. And to me, Robinson was one of the most impressive, in my opinion. I just like seeing the way they they move, the way they pull, the way they set up in pass protection, their kick slide, that kind of thing. Uh, Robinson, he's only 21. He's gotten better in pass protection every year, and the arrow is definitely pointing up. Plus, he's one of he's the only one, really, of the top three tackles that – you could move inside to guard if no suitable replacement, you know, for T.J. Lang emerges. So for the Packers, he is the number one choice. All right. So um, your number two tackle then is Garrett Bowles of Utah. Uh, so, Al, if he's still on the board when the Packers pick at number 29, how seriously do you think the Packers would consider him? Because we, we know guard is kind of a, a need, but t- a tackle, not so much. They've already got, you know, three kind of rather high-round draft picks already on board. Yeah, I mean, first a little about, about Bowles. I mean, while Robinson, you know, landed the top spot in my rankings, Bowles is really the guy I think could eventually end up being the best of this so-so tackle crop this year. I ranked him second because he'll be 25 in a month and only has one year of experience at the FBS level. I didn't hold his past transgressions against him, as it appears he's fully turned his life around, but 
he needs some time to get stronger and work on technique. But the Packers, you know, propensity to not hold on to offensive linemen much past the age of 30, that means they'd be looking at spending a precious first-round pick on a one-contract player. Highly doubt Ted would do that. Yeah, it does seem kind of unlikely. All right, the next player is Ryan Ramchek, and he receives a lot of attention around these parts, A, for being from Wisconsin, and B, probably because he'll be drafted somewhere near where the Packers pick, whether it's late round one or early round two. And, and Al, I know you're not really of the mindset like this, but I know other draft analysts are. Just for the sake of argument here, let, let's assume the Packers select Ryan Ramchick in round one just to play devil's advocate here. What did the Packers do with him day one? Is he a tackle? Is he a guard? What is he? Uh, what they do with him day one is try to trade him for a guard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would, that would be some serious depth at offensive tackle on this team, right? I mean, Ramchick is, is not a guard. Uh, I think it would certainly ensure that Kyle Murphy gets moved to guard permanently and is not just an experiment as as it probably is this, this uh, off season. Now, I'm not quite as enamored with Ramchek as some other people are. I, I will say that he's probably the most balanced tackle prospect in that he's pretty good in all phases of playing the position. The, uh, the weaknesses I see are he gives up too much ground in pass protection. He takes a lot of deep drops, probably because his kick, sl- kick slide isn't that good, so he tries to get back in, in, in front of players by doing that. But the thing that worries me most is what I saw as an inconsistent level of effort. You know, on, on tape I see him releasing from blocks too soon, and he doesn't always play to the whistle or show much of a mean streak. Um, you know, Ramchick would sit on the Packers bench for a couple of years, so I really don't see that happening. I, you know, I'm I'm not saying I'm right here. I do think he could play guard, but I I mean I should probably preface that with saying you know I'm uh, I've certainly not analyzed him, scrutinized him as heavily as you have, and and certainly probably I I look at linemen less than any other position on the field. But I do think he could play guard if necessary. But you know that's that's just me, and I certainly respect your opinion and other people's. Um, but I do want to move on here. Your, your number four tackle is Antonio Garcia of Troy, who some, you know, others, of course, do consider a guard. What makes you think he can be a tackle? And, and do you think the Packers would consider him as early as the second round? Well, you know, while I acknowledge the possibility of Garcia moving inside to play guard, I really pretty strongly feel he's a left tackle prospect you know i've seen people reference short arms and maybe that's why he's gotten the guard tag yet they happen to be an eighth of an inch longer than brian balaga so (laughs) i don't put that much stock into that you know garcia's got quick feet he's got a lean frame and he played in the 290 pound range last season now does that sound like a packers guard you know (laughs) some of I don't think so. so. Some have compared him actually to David Bakhtiari coming out of college, which is funny because I thought D-back needed another year in college, and I kind of felt the same way about Garcia. Um, also like Bakhtiari, Garcia needs to get better at run blocking from the start, but he, 
He sure surely doesn't lack for nastiness. I mean, hell, he was hitting people at the combine. They had to calm him down. <laughs> yeah, so, I, 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 I do think he's an interesting prospect. Maybe a, a raw one, like you say, but a guy who could they could develop. Uh, Al, I also want to ask you about a topic. We, we briefly touched upon this with Jacob Westendorf last week. Namely, two players listed in the Cheesehead TV Draft Guide listed as guards who were tackles in college, them being Deion Dawkins of Temple and Taylor Moton of Western Michigan. Um, you know, as opposed to a player like Garcia, what makes you think they're more the guard type? Well, first thing would be body type. You know, as, as opposed to Garcia, who's got that lean left tackle frame, these guys are more the thicker, burly type, a la sitting in line. Next is physicality. Both are people movers from the inside. And the last is pass protection out in space. You know, the, the tape was not kind to either of these guys in that department. But I especially like Dawkins uh, as a guard. If he were available in round two, I would fully support that pick. Very cool. Um, Hal, we talked about several players the Packers might consider in the first round, but, you know, gun to your head, what what do you think they ultimately do in round one? Well, you know, the draft season is a long one, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I've, fl- I've flirted with edge rusher versus cornerback and even was tempted by some interesting running back chatter that, that came my way, but we really... I've never wavered from my belief that the value at pick 29 will be at the edge rusher position and a useful corner can still be had in round two. So I have two players that I think will be available, Charles Harris and T.J. Watt. I prefer Harris for immediate help. He's got NFL-ready pass rush moves and could have a real impact in year one. But longer term, my choice is definitely J.J. Watt. His ceiling is much higher. I have to agree with you. I think Charles Harris is, is if they don't get TJ Watt, I could definitely see the Packers taking Charles Harris as too, uh, as well. Uh, very interesting. So Al, uh, bef- before we let you go, um, uh, is the, you want to promote the draft guide here? What, what will people get if they get the draft guide? What will they get? My goodness. Well, well, first of all, let me just say, let me just give you a few kudos here. Cause you were the editor of the draft guide for the first five years, and you build a, built a heck of a nice base that was made it easy for me to kind of step in and continue things. You know, the first year I, I didn't want to change too much. I just kind of wanted to get used to, to, to the process. You know, this year I think we've made a few little tweaks. Um, one thing we've done is, is try to focus more on our base constituency, to use a political term, Packers fans. Right? I've tried to like, put in a section for each player how they would fit with the Packers. So that was one thing. Another thing we did was we brought in a couple of new people who are draft people all year round, You know, not just for a couple of months. These are people that study college players year-round. Some have had uh, scouting experience. Some have taken uh, scouting uh, uh, programs. Um, so I think you're getting a, a higher level of analysis uh, than we've ever had before, so you're going to get that. We've got three fantastic feature articles this year. Uh, Peter Bukowski, Jason Hershorn, and C.D. Angeli really hit on some of the three key topics uh, on this Packers team and just, just some great writing there. And, of course, you'll get the full analysis. You'll get mock drafts. 
you'll get it all, and all geared towards the Packer fans, which you can't get that anywhere else. There are a lot of draft guides available, but this is the only one that focuses for Packers fans. Very cool. Well, thank you for the kind words, Al. Uh, you're doing a great job with the draft guide, and uh, uh, we, we're promoting it on here and encourage our listeners to get it. And uh, thanks a lot. Yeah, much appreciated, Brian. Great talking to you as always. All right, take care. Jersey Al Bracco joining us here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Once again, folks, go get the Cheesehead TV draft guide. You just go to the Cheesehead TV homepage, not maybe while Railbird Central is airing because the homepage is taken over by our show. But in just a few minutes, if you're watching the live edition, come back, refresh the screen, and there will be the widget right there on the home screen. You click it, it'll take you to our the Cheesehead TV shop uh, or store, and you, you can buy the draft guide. And uh, like I said, like Al said, you know, a draft guide catered specifically to Packers fans. The only one there is out there. Uh, it's a great publication. I've got mine. I've looked through it. You're going to love it. Um, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm glad I, I kind of started the process a few years ago and uh, glad Al could take the torch and take it over. And they've continued to do a great job with that publication. Get your copy. Uh, and that'll do it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us today. We'll be back again on Friday. Uh, I've already got our guest lined up. More NFL Draft Talk with Ben Fennell, uh, a guy we, who we've had on in years past talking about the NFL Draft, a guy who works for uh, ESPN and the NFL Network is a producer and covers a lot of college football and, and the draft process. So he knows a lot of these guys very intimately and think he brings a great perspective to things. Um, so excited to talk to him on Friday uh, in the run-up here to the NFL draft. So that's on deck coming up uh, soon. Uh, thank you once again, everybody, for joining us. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Kirvu. Uh Railbird Central airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time, which is the live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. See you, folks. I leave you today with a song called Tinderbox by String Cheese Incident on Psy Fidelity Records. See ya. Go. Pack. Go. Go.